Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. We really need new phones. T-Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s. And each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T-Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade-in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto-pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto-pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for well-qualified customers. Contact us before canceling accounts to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com. Now, from Wichita's most listened to sports radio, 97.5 and 1240 KFH, this is Sports Daily with Jacob Albrocht and Tommy Kester. All right, welcome in, everybody. Happy Wednesday to you here on Sports Daily. It is Jacob Albrocht and Tommy Castor, Chad Chambers producing for us. A lot to get to today. Uh, very interesting news as the Chiefs uh, continue to try to attack free agency here. Uh, the latest there on one of the key pieces that they're looking at. We'll get through that. We'll get through a very disappointing night for KU basketball uh, that ended up being maybe the most disappointing overall for K-State, who didn't even play. I'll explain that uh, as well as we make our way through. Uh, we should be having Kevin Saul, Wichita State's athletic director, in for his biweekly visit. Uh, if that's still on the table, we'll have it at the top of the hour. We'll check in uh, in just a little bit and make sure that's still on the table. We, we're pretty sure it is. Um, glad to be here with you, everybody. We've got giveaways to get to today. All kinds of good stuff coming for you. Tommy, how are you this morning? Hey, I'm good. A lot to get to today, as you mentioned. Obviously, uh, you know, the off-season news with the Chiefs that we heard about yesterday that we're going to want to get into today. Uh, and then, of course, yeah, like you mentioned, college basketball in the, in the thick of the home stretch of conference play. Uh, disappointing game last night for KU. I know we're going to talk about all of it. Before we do that, a quick, you know, uh, prayer out, thoughts out to the Texas Panhandle. That's up into you know, the Oklahoma panhandle to some degree, getting dangerously close to Southwest Kansas. I know uh, a lot of people, especially if you grew up out in Western Kansas, you know, have ties to that area. It's on fire. A lot of houses have been destroyed, a lot of livestock affected, a lot of land affected. So uh, that's obviously my home base and where I'm from. So, you know, uh, quick prayers out to that region. And hopefully everybody, if you've got family, friends, or anybody affected, Everybody's doing okay here this morning. Just a wild, wild night of fires there. I can't imagine the fires 
being fueled by the winds that made us drop from 80 to 30 in a matter of hours yesterday. Uh, so pretty, pretty crazy there uh, to see that yesterday. Hey, I want to jump in really quick. I know that um, we're going to get going talking about uh, Chiefs offseason moves. There is some breaking news that just came out four minutes ago. According to Jeremy Fowler from ESPN, the Chiefs are releasing wide receiver Marquez Valdez-Scaling. Uh, it's going to save them $12 million on the cap. Uh, so that, uh, that literally came down five minutes ago uh, that MVS will no longer be part of the Kansas City Chiefs. So hang, hang on that because we're going to start with KU. We'll get into the Chiefs and what they're doing uh, in just a little bit. Uh, so, so hang on that. We've got the Legereus Sneed news yesterday, uh, and we've got Marquez Valdez-Scantling news today. One of those does not surprise us. One of those does surprise me to some degree. But let's start with KU, Tommy. Um, you know, something happening last night that just almost never happens. One, they lose at home in general. Two, they lose a second-half lead at home. Uh, in, you know, of the Bill Self era, one of the one of the worst home losses, honestly, that they've ever had. BYU's not bad at all. It's just KU typically doesn't do that last night. Um, it comes as we have no certainty whatsoever with Kevin McCullers, you know, future and ability to play, you know, at all, really, the rest of the way as we wait and see how that all plays out. Uh, but, you know, BYU comes back in the second half. They hit a ton of threes like we know that they can. KU got nothing going really offensively all night long. Um, just, you know, 68 points at home is pretty wild to imagine. And and they fall to BYU. And this is as vulnerable a KU team without Kevin McCuller, Tommy, as, I mean, we can remember in most years, you know, of the Bill Self era as we make our way to the most important part of the season. Yeah, as good as they were on Saturday against Texas without McCuller, uh, it was the exact opposite last night against BYU. Uh, you know, the, the Jayhawks in the first half, I felt like they came out of the gate strong, but it was, you know, the same sort of thing that I think that everybody's been concerned about with the lack of depth on this team, them being able to play a full 40 minutes with just primarily their starters. And, you know, a few bench minutes from some guys that, you know, I'm not sure – at this point, really, you know, have the capability of playing long stretches off the bench, but they kind of had to, you know, Parker Brown and Jamari McDowell, Elmarco Jackson, those guys forced into playing, I would say probably five or six more minutes than what Bill Self would be comfortable in them playing. Uh, they had anywhere between 11 and 13 minutes last night. And I think that that's a few more than what Bill Self would like them to play. Uh, but you don't have Kevin McCuller, so you're that much thinner uh, and you've got to kind of go to those guys a little bit more than what you would like. Really, at the end of the day for the Jayhawks, the the defense, uh, the way that they and, – and we knew this going in because BYU shoots a ton of threes in the second half. Some of the adjustments that BYU made as far as getting open looks from long distance, those were more effective in the second half than in the first half. And that really doomed KU, uh, and it got to the point to where the shots were falling for BYU. They were able to pull away, and you know it was it was close down the stretch. But in that scenario, there just really wasn't the Jayhawks didn't really have an answer for what BYU wanted to do offensively. I mean, we knew what BYU wanted to do offensively: shoot a billion threes. That's how you know. That's how this thing goes, Tommy. And, and, and Mike brings up a good point on our video stream, which, by the way, you can always find on Facebook, on YouTube, and on Twitch. 
this has gone from potentially being one of the best teams ever now to one of the most vulnerable we've ever seen going into the tournament. It has been a wild swing. And again, everything is relative, right? There are a lot of programs in the country that feel great right now, uh, knowing you're going to get probably a two or three seed uh, going into the tournament. But we don't feel that way about KU because the standard is so high. And I think a part of it, too, is that expectation. We had a, a lineup that consisted of 80% potential All-Americans with a couple of blue chipper freshmen and a, and a transfer portal guy that seemed to fit such a clear need for this team. And it just hasn't clicked this year. Yeah, that's a big part of it. And I know that you know you can point at individual statistics. It doesn't help when Hunter Dickinson is... 6 of 15 shooting free throws. That's not going to get it done. Uh, But it's not just on Dickinson. And I think that that's – I saw a lot of discussion on social media last night after the game about his lack of free throw shooting. And, you know, I saw people that were saying, you know, Hunter Dickinson cost us the game, you know, blah, 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 blah. Where would this team be without Hunter Dickinson? You know, had they not landed him in the offseason, in the transfer portal, this team would be terrible right now, you know. So – I'm not yeah, gonna. I'm think, not gonna. And, but and I think criticism asking, is okay. But I mean, he's a lot of Hunter Dickinson. I mean, he's got especially with McCuller out. He's the primary focus, and you know, so if you if you're not gonna have Dewan Harris be an efficient uh, and effective offensive player, I mean, he's great passing and facilitating and defensively and all of that. But if he's not gonna be a scorer, you can't really rely on him. KJ Adams is a great energy guy, but his offensive abil- abilities. I think are limited to, you know, really kind of inside the circle. Really, you know, Johnny Furphy's going to shoot some threes, but everybody knows, and especially the opponents know, that Hunter Dickinson is going to be the guy offensively. So if you can't lean on him, this team is lost. And so I'm not going to pin this game on his lack of free throw shooting because without him in general, this team would be sunk. Yeah, look, I think it is totally fair to criticize Hunter Dickinson based on expectations coming in, probably the NIL deal he struck. Like, I think it's fair to criticize. I mean, you cannot have that guy go 6 of 15 from the free throw line. When we saw that guy ahead of the conference, I think shooting at like an 85% clip from the free throw line, that's a disappointment. I think that's totally fair. He is critical to any success they're going to have, and he's been great this year. That's I think both of those things can coexist. I would tell you this, and it pains me to say it. I hate saying it. Dwan Harris is one of my favorite players of all time because he's built like I am, right? Like watching him play basketball, I enjoy it thoroughly. He has not been what we expected of him either. Six assists and four turnovers last night. You know, only two threes attempted. Like Dwan Harris needs to shoulder probably the majority of this to me. Now, because I don't know that, like, and again, one of my favorite all time all-time players, college basketball players. But can we sit here today and say that he's better than he was a year ago? I don't think that we can. I don't think he has been. I think he's taken a step back this year almost. Is that unfair? I mean, that's really hurting this team. I don't I don't know if I'm ready to say that he's taken a step back. Maybe a lateral I I agree step. With that. I, I don't I know. I think he's leveled off. I don't think he's taken a step forward in the way that we typically see. I mean, think of the number of players in the Bill Self era that have taken massive leaps forward from their right. second year to third year or their third year to fourth year. It happens all the time. It happened with Ochai Baji. It happened with Jalen Wilson. 
Um, it's happening, it's happening with, Kevin, with McCuller. Kevin McCuller. It's not happening with Dewan Harris in that regard. It doesn't mean that you know he's he's not an effective player overall because he is. No, that's and, and that's he was not what last year and he is this year. But I think the expectation of okay, he's another year into the system. He's a veteran, and I think that what we've wanted from him is to take games over from that position, and that's not what he's doing. And and no. I don't even expect that, but he had he had four turnovers to six but, assists at but, home last okay, night. Okay, so think about other, think about other primary point guards in the last seven or eight years under Bill Self, and their ability to take games over. Look at Devon Dotson; he took games over offensively. Frank Mason took games over offensively. Devonte Graham took games over offensively. When they were the facilitators, when they were the floor generals, you didn't know what they were going to do. They might pass it off or they might shoot it, and they were effective either way. Dewan Harris, I think, is a little bit more predictable because you, he's not going to take a game over offensively. He might facilitate it in a great way. He might find Hunter Dickinson in the post or might get it to Johnny Furphy you know, on the outside or whatever, and it might look really great doing it. He found Nick Timberlake on Saturday for an incredible lob. I mean, his facilitating is off the charts great, but I think that everybody expects him to be this guy offensively to score the way that some of those past point guards have done under Bill Self. That, that hasn't really been his game. So turnovers are up this year. Assists are are essentially level. Steals are down. Points are down. I, I just I think if we're I, I don't know. Again, I love Dewan Harris, but you know, he's a even this year, he's almost a forty percent three point shooter. Like at some point, I know that's not his game, but it's what this team needs so desperately. You you have to you have to do it. And look. I don't want to be unfair to him either. Again, one of my all-time favorite players. It's just like, I, I think when more of him has been needed, as it clearly has this year, look, Bill Self, at one point in the year, was trying to push that and then backed off and said, we need to just let him be what he is. So, I mean, take that for what it's worth, too. Well, you, you're okay but with if, that when you've got a healthy Kevin McCuller. It's a little exactly, bit more different when you're right losing now, that offensive they need, weapon. They need him to at least try to do it and he's just so hesitant to do it for whatever reason fine if we're looking at I mean I think you could essentially look across the board so if if we're trying to power rank like who's been the most disappointing based on expectations I think Nick Timberlake certainly jumps to the top of that list right but I think as we look at it now you know you can pretty much collectively go across the board the freshman are not where we hoped they would be, right? Johnny Furphy's probably ahead of schedule. So I, when I say the freshman, I'm talking about the two others. And, and, and you know, at the moment, I think Dewan Harris is not doing what we'd hoped he would be doing. And Hunter Dickinson, maybe all of them. And, and maybe this is the good point, and Ken, Ken points this out. Um, basically saying, you're right, Tommy, that, that everybody's tired. When it's a collective effort like this, probably... It is a symptom, right, of just being absolutely gassed. And when you don't have any depth, then, you know, then that's that's probably a bigger symptom of that than anything else. And and so, like, who can press? Like, can this team be pressed to do things outside of its comfort zone? I don't know, but they're probably going to have to be because it's certainly not promising 
on Kevin McCuller news lately, right? We just don't even know if he'll play now. So can any of these players step up out of that comfort zone, perhaps, and provide something else that's not there now? That's what we have now three games remaining and a, and a conference tournament to try to find out. The reality is it may be too much to ask of of this team, and that's just the way it is. I mean, when you're and, – and is that okay? Yeah, probably. When you're looking at a team that, you know, in the most important games doesn't have its best player, you know, that, that player you mentioned who steps up is KU always has somebody in the Naismith conversation. That's McCuller this year. He's as good a two-way player as college basketball has. When you don't have him and you were thin already – I mean, you just throw your hands up and hope for the best. I, I, I think, you know, anything that happens will be – I just don't think the expectations are very high. What From what I gauge among KU people, the expectations are are not high at all right now for what this team can do in the postseason. And that's the most concerning part of all of this. It's not about how effective Dewan Harris is. It's about the lack of having Kevin McCuller. And will they get Kevin McCuller back? And I that's concerning to me. The way that this has all played out in the last week or two – about his availability, about his health, because it doesn't sound like, just in the way that Bill Self has spoken, this this doesn't sound like just a potential regular season type thing. This sounds like no. they could be without him potentially for the rest of the season. It sounds like there's a chance we've seen Kevin McCuller play his last college yeah. basketball game. And, and that was yeah. not the situation that I thought it was going to be as recently as Monday, maybe, when we were talking to Shreyas Lada. I didn't think that that was going to be the scenario uh, that was in place. And keep in mind, McCuller was out for, I think, what, two games or three games and then came back and played against Oklahoma. I think he scored like 20 points in that return game. That was the only time we saw him back, and then he's been out ever since. And so, you know, you've got a stretch now with the remaining regular season games where, yeah, the, the Big 12 regular season title is out of the question at this point. But you can definitely imp- – your seeding can be impacted for the final three regular season games and then into the Big 12 tournament without having Kevin McCuller. And it might just be a situation where they put him on ice until March Madness, and maybe he'll be ready to go at that point to help them down the stretch. Remember, this is not entirely dissimilar to the Remy Martin situation a couple of years ago that the Jayhawks had. Because Remy Martin was dealing with an injury that at one point in the regular season, there was speculation that he wouldn't play another game for KU. He was able to come back in in a limited capacity, but was ready to go for March Madness and led the Jayhawks to a national championship. It's not entirely dissimilar from that. There are some differences, but this sort of thing has happened in general terms before for the Jayhawks. So I I wonder what the status will look like for McCuller once we get into March. The other reality is Remy Martin was not a big-time NBA prospect, as Kevin McCuller has become. And and I'm not trying to speculate anything by saying that. I'm just saying that's a part of the equation that's different, too. There's a lot on the line for Kevin McCuller. Kevin McCuller has to be very careful right now not to jeopardize his entire future. And I don't have any indication whatsoever from anything I've ever heard from him. Like, if he can safely go for KU— he would do it, right? But there is more to consider than the next five games of college basketball or six or seven or whatever it might be that he's got to, because he has, he's leaped up on NBA draft boards. And that's a part of the equation too. And it's a fair part of the equation and probably one that Bill Self 
genuinely appreciates for him, too. I don't think anybody, Kevin McCullough, Bill Self, anybody's going to put him in a bad position, which is why it's like we'll just kind of have to see how this goes. Um, the rest of this season um, it will be interesting. It's almost, you know, it's almost like a house money situation a little bit with KU, which isn't always the case with KU teams. A little bit that way last year, maybe, but not like this. I'll tell you who the who really lost last night, who had the worst night last night. It's K-State, Tommy. So we've laid out, you know, K-State's path and what they'll need to do. Two of the teams that they're sort of going to compete, and, and you know, they're not competing with BYU as far as a tournament bid, but they're competing with BYU in the sense of trying to improve your Big 12 standing. That really, really hurt. Even more than that, though, is Texas going on the road and and beating Tech by double digits? Texas is a team they may be competing with uh, for an NCAA tournament bid, and that's a that's a tough one to swallow if you're K State. Texas with that win, I would say if Texas was a team, perhaps they could catch in in like tournament resume. It's not going to be anymore. So you know, outside of outside of beating both Iowa State and KU on the road, maybe. Um, but that, that was a tough night for K-State collectively last night to see what else happened in the Big 12. Well, the night before, very uh, nearly ended in disaster. I know you and Paul talked about it yesterday, but the fact that they blew that lead against West Virginia, it's a good thing that K-State team and, and Jerome Tang is elite in overtime because that's really yeah, what saved like them. The best, like, legitimate but, stake at the best ever yeah, in they, overtime. They've got to have every single regular season game the rest of the way. They, I think they just have to. Um, you know, especially with what happened last night. I think you've got to you've got to have that uh, for the Wildcats, and then you know have a good showing in the Big Twelve tournament too. I don't think their I don't think their national championship tournament bids are bid is gone, but I think that they're they're going to have to really perform. No, it's not. Yeah, it's not gone. It just got harder. Yeah, because you know you you hoped that you could compete with Texas there, and probably now I don't know that you'll be able to. So that crosses one of them off the list. It does emphasize something we point. Since they got to have the game at Cincinnati. They got to have it. Have to have that game. All right. Uh, let's take a break. So a lot of Chiefs things happening now, and it's going to take us a little time to sort of navigate through what's happening and trying to read between the lines and do all these things. We'll do that next on Sports Daily. KFH and Taco Bell have your chance to win a trip for two to the College Hoops Championship Tournament in Kansas City. That's March 13th through the 16th to cheer on all your favorite teams. This trip includes two all-session tournament passes and three-night hotel accommodations. To enter, simply text TBBIG to the number 20357. Want a complimentary breakfast burrito? Go to kfhradio.com, click on the events page, download the voucher, and then head to any Wichita and surrounding Taco Bell locations, excluding Hutchinson. Your chance to see the College Hoops Championship Tournament and snag a complimentary breakfast burrito from Taco Bell happens here on KFH. Welcome back into Sports Daily, everybody. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Castor here with you. Jad Chambers, man in that KFH hotline, 869-1240. Getting our coffee going. Tommy and Jad in there in studio enjoying that great coffee from Prairie Fire. We appreciate their support of our entire Odyssey family. Tommy, it has been an interesting, I don't know, 16 hours or so for the Chiefs. Jeremy Fowler uh, on on things right now. Clearly a, a line of communication. So yesterday, Jeremy Fowler reported that essentially 
the Chiefs are prepared to use their franchise tag on Legereus Sneed and are open to the idea of then trading him. They'll still work on a long-term deal. Sneed, according to the report, is totally fine with that process. Um, so there's that. It follows Andy Reid when asked about the tag. Kind of, it was interesting with a response somewhat to the effect of, we're going to use the tag to help us, right? So I, it, it all of that tells me the Chiefs are probably trading Legereus Sneed. Then today we get the report on something we fully expected, and that's that the Chiefs are going to release Marquez Valdez-Scantling. That'll save them $12 million on the cap to do it. Um, you know, he made some big plays for him down the stretch. Kind of a no-brainer, though, uh, financially, when you think about all the things that they have to do. So there are those two things, both big developments and both sort of, I think, telling us the direction this thing could be heading. I, I think the MVS news far less impactful than the Sneed news, which again, to me, when I read all that, it tells me they're going to trade Legereus Sneed. There are a few different angles to look at with this Legereus Sneed news. I think number one is what can the Chiefs get in return for Legereus Sneed if they tag him and then trade him? I think they've got to really look at potential trade partners and what that value in return will be for Kansas City. They've done this before. They tagged D Ford in 2019 and then they turned around and traded him to the 49ers, and they were able to get some draft capital back. So they've done this sort of thing before, and, and teams do this um, you know, fairly regularly. Devontae Adams, it happened to him. Sure. Uh, there, there are other players that this has happened to, but I think for Kansas City and for Brett Veach, uh, you know, really his motivation has always been loading up on draft picks, having strong draft capital, so you've got young, talented players under team control at a fairly affordable price for a long time. That's really been the strategy for Brett. I mean, Beach. they've traded a lot of draft picks too, though. I, I think, but he's the always draft is... open to improving yeah. the draft position, and that 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 would definitely be something that you know they might look at doing. And, and really, I don't know if they would be one hundred percent willing to look at this. But if I were them, I wouldn't shy away from the potential of trading Legarius Sneed and the first round draft pick that you have, pick number thirty two to get a better first-round draft pick in return. And maybe you're moving up 10 spots, 15 spots, and you're going to need some other draft capital in, in addition to yeah. just that, that first-round pick. But you could use that as ammunition. If you like somebody on the board, You know, maybe it's um, just throwing it out there. If they want to go wide receiver in the first round and they really like Roma Dunze out of Washington, if he's available at number 12 or number 15, you could potentially use a trade of Legereus Sneed and your first-round draft pick to try to accomplish that. I'm not saying it's likely, but that could be something they do. I think if they did that, it would be probably for an established wide receiver. I think they would be more likely to do it for a left tackle to finally solve that. Um, it's interesting. I, there are a lot of things to it. Legereus needs a really good player. The combination of he and McDuffie is important to the defense. On the flip side, the Chiefs have a really good recent history of identifying and developing corners in the draft. So they it, it tells me, A, that they might value McDuffie more. I've always been curious if they would invest the money in both of those guys that it would take to keep them both. That would be an interesting strategy 
probably they're willing to just wait to get a McDuffie deal done and ride him on his rookie deal. That that I think is is probably what this all says. And then yeah, so okay, if you're not going to sign Snead, and we've and and they've done this a billion times, Tyreek Hill, right? Uh, they let Matthew go in a similar type situation. They may still go attack corner in free agency, right? That's what happened with Tyron Matthew and Justin Reed. They ended up paying Justin Reed more than they were going to pay Tyreek Hill. I mean, uh, Tyron Matthew. So there is, there's a million options. I think at the, at the front of it, though, this probably tells us they're comfortable with letting Snead go because they think they can get him replaced or at least get closer to it. But my question is, rather than who? Is it Chris Jones Mm -hmm. in the short term? Is he the rather than? Is it left tackle? Is it wide receiver? I I don't, I just don't think it's going to be wide receiver. I think when you look at that room now versus last year, Rashi Rice is great. He is at least uh, looking like the potential of above average, floor and legitimate number one receiver ceiling you can't just because it doesn't make sense to yet give up on the two guys you've spent lots of draft capital on and Kadarius Tony and Sky Moore there's no need to give up on them they're not costing you anything so just knowing those things and knowing that Kelsey's coming back there's a good chance the receiver room no matter what they do will be better next year so how much better do they need to make it? Is that through a veteran wide receiver? Do they try again in the draft? I I don't think they're going to try again in the draft. They have used a lot of capital in the draft to try to get wide receiver. They got there with Rice. I think it's more likely they replace Marquez Valdez-Scantling with another guy like Marquez Valdez-Scantling, another veteran receiver that they like a Juju Smith-Schuster. I think it's more likely they go there then they go big ticket either through free agency or draft capital on wide receiver. I think it's more likely that they attack other areas. I, to me, most likely, I, I would say left tackle. I, I think that outside of getting deals done early for Creed Humphrey and Trey Smith or whatever, and maybe that's done too, I, I think they're going to be the most aggressive with left tackle. I don't think they need to be with wide receiver. I don't think that they are going to be now based on what we've seen at corner. So you've got Chris Jones and you've got left tackle to me as these two pressing needs. Maybe you lean into Jones and you go super aggressive and try to stop swinging at that left tackle and get something solidified for the next four or five years for Patrick Mahomes on the blind side. But keep in mind, it's not a foregone conclusion that Legereus Sneed is gone. I mean, they could conceivably sign him to a long-term deal. Is it likely? Uh, you know, I don't know. I don't because the thing is, is Legereus Sneed is going to garner a significant amount of value, right? Whenever he ends up, you know, I, I, if he becomes a free agent on the market after next season or whatever that looks like, there are going to be teams that they saw what he did against number one receivers in the NFL this past season against guys like Justin Jefferson and Tyreek Hill and Puka Nakua and, you know, others throughout the season saw what he did against them and they're going to want to bring him on board. So he's going to get value. It's just going to be a matter of whether or not the chiefs feel like they can spend that kind of money when they've got, you know, Trent McDuffie opposite of Legereus Sneed. The other thing though, and the reason why I would be, I would understand, but I would be bummed 
if they end up trading Legereus Sneed is because that secondary, as we've talked about so many different times, was better than good. They were better than great. They were elite. They were an elite secondary. And if it wasn't collectively, if it wasn't for that secondary, I don't think the Chiefs win the Super Bowl this year. And so, you know, I would hate to break that up. I get it. I understand, you know, the value of it and the fact that, keep in mind, Snead is entering his uh, 27, his year 27. You know, he's in that prime, in that position to cash in on that. And so I just, you know, we know the way that the Chiefs front office typically operates. I think it's unlikely that they sign him to a long-term deal. I would love it if they did. Uh, And it may still happen. I just, I think it's unlikely. Yeah, well, listen, you don't leak the information to Jeremy Fowler that you did yesterday if you planned on signing Legereus Sneed to a long-term deal. He did, report, like, he did report that both sides are, are open yeah. to working out a long-term deal. No, I, I, I get that, but they're not, or you wouldn't need to leak this out in the first place if you were the Chiefs. You leak this out because you want everybody to know that Legereus Sneed's available. Um, I mean, it, it's unless not... you're looking for leverage in negotiations to try to get him to take a little bit less. <laughs> but money. what? Neg- but that doesn't that doesn't create any leverage, right? That doesn't create any leverage. It creates leverage for other teams. It creates leverage in trade value for the Chiefs. It doesn't create negotiation leverage to say that you know to to have that report come out and to say Legarius Sneed's totally open to this. That that creates a situation where Legarius Sneed can you know drive up his his value to other teams because. If you're the other team trading for him, you're not trading for him on a tag. You will have a long-term deal worked out. It's a Tyreek Hill situation. Legereus Sneed wants more than the Chiefs want to give him. So they did the same thing with Tyreek Hill. They look it out there. Hey, Tyreek Hill's probably available. You know, we we want Boom. Done. I mean, it's it's the same thing. It's like a cookie-cutter approach for them. Leak this stuff out. Everything's amicable. This is what they did with Hill. Everything's good here. We want what's best for everybody. You know, he's available. It's the same thing. They, I mean, that, so that's when, when I'd say it, when, when I read between the lines, like, I think they're telling us he's going to get traded. Mm-hmm. It's just remember how Tyreek Hill played out. And here, here's the interesting scenario, too, that I think we need to always keep in mind as this is progressing. If they end up trading away Legereus Sneed and if they're able to get a deal done, with Chris Jones, think about how this whole situation would probably be reversed and flip-flopped if the Chiefs didn't get Chris Jones back on a one-year deal last year. Because at that point, Jones is probably walking. There, you know, there are going to be opportunities more than likely for him to go elsewhere. Then they've got probably more cap space to maybe negotiate with Legereus Sneed to lock up that secondary long-term. But because of the way that things played out with Chris Jones and him coming back on that one-year deal, and now it sounds like there's positive momentum in locking him in for a while, that does take up you know a certain amount of money that they're then not going to be able to give to a guy like Legereus Sneed. So I think had things played s- out differently a year ago, we might not be in this situation. I'm not y- saying it's a yeah. bad thing, but they might have had the cap room to then be able to go and get Legereus Sneed uh, signed long-term. Maybe. I've, I've always thought the Chris Jones situation last year was compromising the ability to sign offensive linemen, mostly because, again, Humphrey, Smith, like the Chiefs, the Chiefs tell us things without telling us things over and over and over again. They have like they have this path and this plan that if you just follow it, it, it sort of repeats itself. 
the way that this report comes out yesterday and their history of being willing to do this with other players, right? I'm sure that somewhere along the line, if we went back and looked, there would have been something similar out there with Chris Jones last year. Like if they don't think they can get somebody signed where they want to, this is how they approach it. It's good for the player, but mostly it's good for them, right? When they know the answer to the question, are we going to be able to afford Legereus Sneed based on what he wants? Nope. We can tell you that right now. So let's take this path to try and get the best situation for everybody. They do it all the time. They also tell us that they really value the offensive line, and that's where they're going to spend the most resources. So if they trade him and they move him, what do you think is an appropriate return for Legereus Sneed? Are you looking at draft capital? Second-round pick, probably. Are you looking at an established player? A second and a fourth. Second and a fourth. Somebody asked me about A.J. Brown yesterday. Um, I, I don't... I don't think I like that. I think you I think draft capital would be great. I don't think teams are trading left tackles. I think if you're trading if you're getting a wide receiver in a trade, it's an expensive one, which doesn't make sense for the Chiefs. So my guess is draft capital. Um and and it depends because a bad team isn't gonna necessarily trade for Legereus Sneed. So yeah, probably like a second and a fourth or something, as you mentioned. For them to help move around in the draft or then turn around and go attack. They're not afraid to trade for left tackles. They've they've traded for tackles in two out of the last three off seasons. I, I think I think the cap how the capital's used, I don't know, but I would guess draft capital for now. That would be my my like a second worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole well good thing instacart shoppers are as picky as you are they find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line they are milk expiration date detectives they bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are so let instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. T-Mobile has invested billions to light up America's largest 5G network from big cities to small towns, including right here in yours. And great coverage is just the beginning. Right now, families and small businesses can save up to 20% versus AT&T and Verizon when they switch. Visit your local T-Mobile store today. Plan savings with three lines of T-Mobile Essentials versus comparable available plans. Plan features and taxes and fees may vary. After the end of a good fight, you deserve an ice-cold reward. Medela is the mark of a fighter. You've earned this rich golden lager with a crisp, refreshing taste. Because you know, the bigger the fight, the better the reward. You put in the hours, the energy, the tough labor. You are a fighter. Medela is your reward. Medela, the mark of a fighter. Drink responsibly. Beer imported by Crown Import, Chicago, Illinois. And in a fourth or something um, would be enough. Because the reality is he's just going to walk in free agency. That's the other thing the Chiefs do a great job of. Not just losing players to free agency and getting nothing out of it. It's a master class sometimes the way they do this. They could just let Legereus Sneed walk. Instead, they're going to try and get something for him when they know he's not going to come back anyway. That's what this is to me. We'll see how they use it. It's a great, great question. We'll get more into that. And a question my colleague Brandon Zinner asked me yesterday. I'll, I'll let you stew on this during the break. How many times, or, or 
Like, can you think of good examples of the times the Chiefs have let players go that have really blown up in their face where those players go on to be awesome? Mm. Think about that for a minute. Good Stew question. on it. Because it's an interesting one. And, and just of the recent era, right? Like, just in recent history, sort of this regime. We'll come back. We'll talk about it next on Sports Daily. Welcome back in, everybody. Sports Daily. Jacob Albrock, Tommy Caster with you here on the program. Shockerman's basketball broadcasts are available live for free on 103.7 KEYN and on the Odyssey app. Tune in to KEYN tonight for Shocker Basketball at UAB or simply download the Odyssey app and search for KEYN. Pre-game starts at 6. Uh, we are hoping to be able to track down Kevin Saul, which does State athletic director at the top of the hour. Uh, as we make our way into the home stretch of the Shocker season. Tommy, I asked the question before we went to break. Free agents that the Chiefs have let go in recent years, you know, the last six, seven years, that have really blown up in their face, um, or, or not blown up in their face as much as, like, have gone on. Players that they've let go have been really good. Tyreek Hill, obviously, is the obvious, is the very apparent answer there. That's not to say the Chiefs made the wrong decision or miss him. Clearly, they do not. They've won two Super Bowls without him. But he's been really good since they let him go. Can you think of any others off the top of your head? I think the only other one that comes to mind that he didn't really blow up because he was already really good in Kansas City. And I think he played well, I know he was injured and didn't play uh, a majority of, or not a majority, but some of the games last season for the Browns. Juan Thornhill is probably somebody that the Chiefs let walk and Cleveland signed him to a, a pretty good money deal, like a three-year deal for him. And he, I think, continued on when he was healthy to put up the kind of the same numbers that he did when he was in Kansas City. But really, other than that, I mean, there are a lot of players they've let walk that have gone elsewhere and haven't been able to duplicate the level of success that they had with Kansas City. You mentioned Teron Matthew in the last segment. Frank Clark is one of them as well. Um, Colin Saunders, I know that the, the Saints signed him uh, last year, and, and you know he, I don't think, really has duplicated the success that he had in Kansas City. There are others for sure, but really Thornhill would be the only one that I can think of that was able to sort of continue on when he was healthy, the same level of success he had in Kansas City. How about Charvarius Ward? I feel yeah, like he's been, yeah, that's a good one. He's been a player that's been good in San Francisco. Um, it, it's not, but again, like there's a difference in players being good somewhere and the Chiefs regretting letting them go. Uh, I, I don't know that there are good examples of regretting letting these guys go. It's very Patriots-like. Um, so... I mean, it's it's it begs, you know, sometimes when you and this is like an exercise for myself because I really like the idea of keeping Sneed and having he and McDuffie together. You do have to sort of trust their process and how they do this. And again, like they're never going to value anything more outside of Patrick Mahomes than that offensive line. I think that's where they're going to continue to do it. Yeah, I, I, I think, you know, I, I just that, that's where I keep falling on this is this is all going to be to attack left tackle aggressively. I'm looking at Charvarius Ward's stats and, you know, of course, he made a Pro Bowl this year for the first time. Um, yeah, he yeah. had 
he had uh, you know more tackles in his time with the 49ers than he did with Kansas City. So yeah, I mean he's done more with the Niners than he did with Kansas City. So I forgot about him. I would say probably those two are the the two that stand out to me. All right. Well, you know, I it's um it's going to be interesting. We knew that already, but I think we're getting an early indication of how this will go with the Chiefs. We get more into that and sort of recap it as we make our way into hour number two. Uh, coming up top of the hour, we think we should have Wichita State Athletic Director Kevin Saul. I know it's been a travel day and they're on the road, so we'll try and track him down. We'll talk a little about the Shockers when we return. We really need new phones. T Mobile will cover the cost of four amazing new iPhone 15s, and each line is only $25 a month. New iPhone 15s? It's better over here. Only at T Mobile get four iPhone 15s on us and four lines for $25 per line per month with eligible trade in when you switch. Minimum of four lines for $25 per line per month with auto pay discount using debit or bank account. $5 more per line without auto pay, plus taxes and fees. Phone fee at 24 monthly bill credits for all well qualified customers. Contact us before canceling account to continue bill credits or credit stop and balance on required finance agreement due. $35 per line connection charge applies. Ctmobile.com. Protect your vehicle's engine with a full synthetic oil change and save with Mobile One at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Purchase five quarts of Mobile One full synthetic motor oil and receive a $10 O'Reilly gift card after rebate. See store for details. With your Mobile One purchase, you'll also receive two times points during Old Rewards Bonus Points Month at O'Reilly Auto Parts. Oh, 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 O'Reilly Auto Parts. We get it. Attention spans just aren't what they used to be. Heads in social media and eyes on Netflix. But what do people do with their ears? Well, for one, they're listening to audio. Americans spend 4.4 hours with audio every day. Oh, and you want the proof? Well, you just sat through this ad that's now approaching 30 seconds. What could you say to a potential customer in 30 seconds? Let Odyssey put together a media plan tailor-made for your unique marketing needs. Advertise with Odyssey. Visit ads.odyssey.com.